Well, praise the Lord. Amen? That makes a guy want to preach. Would you mind if I just preached about 30 minutes? I Just 30. It's all I need. Hey, it's so great to be back home and to be back in the United States of America. We had a great trip. Tremendous. You'll hear more about it. But uh, it was a great blessing. We saw 179 precious souls give their life to Christ. Started a church in Ijanga and uh, had a great time there. And then uh, Christy, now this is fifth Sunday, so kids are in here with us. Uh, Christy was supposed to have about 170 kids and she walked into a room with more than 340 kids in it. And it was like saying, sick them to a dog. I mean, she was just on that thing and I praise God for that. Praise, we had a great team, had a great time together. So much so. Uh, we're blessed this morning. Have Dr. Matt Queen. He is the Associate Dean of the Chair of Evangelism. They call it the Chair of Fire, Professor of Evangelism. And also, starting in January, he's been promoted to also be the uh, Provost of uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, I, and I was of the same concern that someone else said, he can be provost as long as he can stay on fire in the evangelism chair. Uh, I've known him to 12 years or so. He's been at Southwestern. And uh, he not only preaches evangelism, he does evangelism. He goes and he teaches in uh, corporate, uh, congregational, and individual. And, and that's what he's here this week for uh, to teach. He's got a couple of books out, got a new one coming out in April. Uh, his book, uh, Everyday Evangelism, is one that we've gone through it here. It's a tremendous book, and I'm looking forward to the new one also. Uh, but I praise God for him uh, because he takes every week students out that knocks on doors all over Fort Worth in the area there where they practice evangelism. They actually go do it. You know, we Baptists love to talk about it. We just don't do it. It's kind of like Jesus told uh, about the Pharisees. He said, you can do what they say do, just don't do what they do, because they don't do what they say they're going to do. Amen? But anyway, what a blessing today to have Dr. Matt Queen with us. Brother Matt, come and make yourself at home, and uh, welcome him today, church. Thank you, Brother Charles, and thank you, church, for having me. Before I get started, I just want to say a word of greeting from Dr. Docker, uh, David Dockery, our interim president at Southwestern Seminary, and our ambassador at large, uh, Dr. O.S. Hawkins. He's the one who said, I don't care what you make him as long as he stays in the chair of fire. Some of you say, what's the chair of fire? That means I'm in the hot seat at Southwestern. So that's what that means. But I want to thank you because when you give sacrificially each and every week to help this church and to help the cause of Christ, you're also helping uh, fund the education of God-called men and women. And so uh, the students at Southwestern Seminary, they get right off the bat, if they're a Southern Baptist, 50% off. By the way, if you're looking for a college, parents, for your children, it's going to teach the truth and be cheap, not cheap content, but cheap pay. Look at Texas Baptist College. We'd love to have them there. And if you're looking into ministry and you wanted to look at that, we want to have you come there 50% off right off the top because of your sacrificial gift. That's good, isn't it? Praise the Lord the way he uses your gifts. But let me tell you something. If that's not enough, you just remember one thing. The cooperative program does another thing. It feeds a hungry family. 
mine. So thank you for giving to the choir. Some of you say, well, buddy, we, we need to step back. My family's really, really skinny, so just keep on giving, okay? I'll give them some more. So thank you so much for your gifts. If you've got a copy of the Bible or a tablet or a phone, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles or turn your tablets or phones on to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this morning we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And as you're finding your way there at Southwestern Seminary, just as Brother Charles said, we do preach evangelism, teach evangelism, and do evangelism. You know, I've got many uh, stories I could tell you about evangelism, but one of the ones that really means a lot to me is one that happened just about eight years ago. I was taking a team of students. We were going door to door, and uh, we were walking on the sidewalk to our next assignment. We encountered two young ladies. They had to either be late middle school or early high school, and they came up to us, and we didn't have to go to them. They came to us, and they said, what are you talking about? What are you telling people? And I said, well, I'll tell you what we're telling people. We're telling people how they can have faith, have, excuse me, have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I said, would y'all like to know about that? They said, yeah, let us know. Well, we don't know what it is, but yeah, let us know. I said, well, I want you to know that the Bible tells us that God created us, and when we were given the first opportunity, just like it is in our lives, we sinned. In our thought, in our speech, and in our actions, we disobeyed God. I said, would you agree with that? One of those girls said, absolutely, I am a sinner. <laughs> I admit that. The other girl, she said, not me. I laughed at her because I thought she was joking with me. She got indignant, and she put her hands on her hips. She said, I'll have you know, I'm my daddy's little princess. All of a sudden, I was looking for daddy, wondering where he's going to come and get me, you know. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, how am I going to deal with daddy's princess? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in that moment said, tell her my word. And so I didn't say, the Bible said, I didn't say Romans 3. I just said, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. I said those two verses, didn't even tell her it was the Bible. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon that young lady. She started confessing her sins to me. Well, she kept on going. I said, look, I understand. You're a sinner. Let's talk, stop talking about the bad news and start talking about the good news. And so we were able to do that. But it was the Word of God that changed that little lady. You know, I went to college. I remember going to college. And I remember my professor coming into my New Testament class. And he threw the Bible down. And he said, some of y'all gone to Sunday school. Some of you have been preached that this is the Bible and this is the truth. But I'm going to tell you that's nothing more than a bunch of regurgitated Babylonian myth stories. And that's what's being taught out there. That's what's being believed by people. But let me tell you as firsthand, I saw that young lady hearing the word and not even knowing it was the word. And the spirit did a work in her. And I want you to know the scriptures are sufficient. They are not just almost enough. They're not just halfway enough. They are fully sufficient for us to do evangelism. What you have in your, your hand is the Bible. It is God's Word, His trusted Word, His truthful Word, His inerrant Word, His inspired Word, His all-sufficient Word. You have God's revelation to you. But why don't we share it and reveal it to others? As we look into our text today, let me just bring us up to speed. Paul he had gone, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and following. Paul goes to Corinth, his first time, and there he preaches Jesus from the Scriptures. 
He, he tries to convince people that Jesus is the Christ in the synagogues from the scriptures. And some people rejected and then some believed and then a church was started there. Paul had left after a year and a half there and he had written back a correspondence. And in this correspondence in chapter 15, this whole chapter is about a group of people who are attacking the resurrection of Jesus. Friends, if Jesus is not raised, our faith is in vain. That's what he said. And he goes to logic. He goes to theology. But he starts with the word. And listen at how Paul begins giving the case for, giving the apologetic for, giving the defense for Jesus being raised from the dead. Look at what he says, at, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, I, Paul, would remind you, brothers, he'd include the ladies here too, but he said brothers, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if if you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared unto me. Also, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they. So we preach and you believed. This is God's word for us today. I don't know if you noticed it, but as Paul is giving an apologetic and a defense to counteract a group in Corinth that was saying, Jesus has not been raised from the dead, he starts with the scriptures. He starts with the gospel. Look at what he says here in verses number one and two. He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You know what he's teaching here? He's teaching this truth, that the scriptures are sufficient to save and to stabilize converts with the gospel. Let me just say that again. The scriptures are sufficient to save and to stabilize converts with the gospel. Now, when Paul is preaching the gospel, Luke takes an account of this and he writes it all in the book of Acts. So if you look in the book of Acts, if you don't need to turn there, but just I'll just tell you in Acts chapter 13, he begins preaching in the synagogue in Antioch and Pisidia. And the Bible says, and they read the law and the prophets and he preached Jesus. He's, his gospel was not something he made up. It was something he got from the word, from the law and the prophets. 
Then if you go on and you look at Acts 17, when he came to the synagogue in Thessalonica, it said he opened the scriptures to them and preached Jesus. The next section, he goes to Berea in Acts chapter 17. And he preached the scriptures and the Bereans, they said, we need to search the scriptures to see if this is true. He used the scriptures. But then everywhere else that Paul preached in Acts, listen to what, whenever Paul was preaching the gospel, listen to what Luke described him doing. In Acts chapter 13, verse 5, when he's in Cyprus, Luke said, when he's preaching the gospel, that he preached the word of God. When he's in Antioch in Pisidia in Acts 13, he preached the word of the Lord and the word of God. In Perga, Acts 14, 25, he preached the word. In Jerusalem, Acts 15, 7, he preached the word of the gospel. And then you see in Acts chapter 15, he also preached the word of the Lord. In Phrygia, in Galatia, it was the word. In Macedonia, he preached the gospel. In Berea, he preached the word and the word of God. And in Ephesus, he preached the word of the Lord. You know what that means? That means whenever Paul was preaching the gospel, it was so founded on the word of God that when he said, when Luke said, Paul preached, he said he preached the word He preached the gospel, he preached the word, he preached the gospel. It's the same thing, they're so closely tied. And the scriptures, because they serve as the foundation for the gospel, they are sufficient to save and stabilize converts with the gospel. Look at what Paul says here. He says, I would remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. What was the gospel he preached? It's the gospel I preach to you today. I preach to you Paul's gospel, which is God's gospel from the word of God. You are a sinner. You are definitely not as good as you think you are. And you're certainly not as good as your mama thinks you are. And neither am I. But God loved us in spite of our thoughts, our deeds, and our actions that disobey him. He sent his son Jesus, God in the flesh, who came and lived a perfect life and died on that cruel cross for your sins. The Bible says the wage or the result of sin is death. He died, took the penalty for your sin and mine. In his body, he absorbed God's wrath against our sin. And he was buried. And on the third day, by resurrection, power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised. And he lives today at the right hand of the Father. And we must repent and believe. He said, the gospel I preached, that's what he preached. What did they do? He says, you received. Some of you today have just heard me preach the gospel. Some of you from this pulpit, on the television, on the radio, at another church, you've had someone preach to you the gospel. It's not enough just to hear the gospel. You've got to receive the gospel. And to receive the gospel is not just to say, well, that sounds okay to me. To receive it, the Bible says, you must repent and believe. You must change your mind that then changes your heart, that then changes your mouth, and you confess Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? There are some of you today that need to change your mind about who Jesus is. When it comes to Jesus, you think Jesus is just a good guy. Some of you say he's better than just a good guy. He's a good teacher. But friends, he's God. (laughs) You need to change your mind and believe that Jesus is not just good. He is God. You need to change your mind that you're not the, the ruler and leader of your life. You've got to take off and surrender the power and the authority in your life to one who is Lord of lords and King of kings, Jesus Christ. Change your mind that what you're doing is not 
for somebody else's best. What you need to do is God's best, which is to believe in the righteousness of Jesus. Will you change your mind today? If you change your mind, then you will change your heart and believe in Jesus. Believe that he's the only one that's God. He's the only one. Your works can't save you, but Jesus' work can save you. And then with your mouth, confess him as Lord. The Bible says, Paul said, the word, the gospel I preached to you, you received. And guess what happens when you repent and believe? When you receive the gospel, you stand. Just like the ladies just sang. Just like the choir just sang. In the power of Christ, I stand. The power of Christ is the gospel. Paul said, I believe and I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. We can stand. But some of you here today, maybe you've been saved, but you're waffling a little bit. Let me just tell you something. It is a very common thing, whoever you are. It was for me. It's been for the pastor. It's been for you, for you to maybe doubt your salvation. One of two things is going on there. Either the devil is attacking you and you need to stand and you need a pastor or someone to help you know how you can stand in the gospel you believed or you're doubting your salvation because you're never saved and you will not be able to stand. You will fall. Today I wonder, would you say, I want to make sure I'm standing. I'm sure. I'm assured that I know I'm right with God now so I'll be right with God in the hereafter. I preached, you received, in which you stand, and look at this, and in which you are being saved. You know, some people talk about salvation in the past. In fact, this past month, October the 3rd, back in 1982, when I was seven years old, I was saved back then. It's 40 years later now, and guess what? I am still being saved today. Right now, as I'm preaching, I am being saved by God right in front of your eyes. And guess what? If you know Jesus Christ and you've received it and you're standing in him, you're being saved right now through sanctification. You will tomorrow. If Jesus doesn't come back, you'll be saved tomorrow and being saved tomorrow. Until Jesus comes back and he splits that eastern sky, he brings with him those who sleep in Jesus. We'll be caught up and we will be saved in a new way. We'll be glorified. We'll have a body just like him. We will be like him for we will see him just as he is. I preach the word. You receive the word. You stand in the word. You're being saved by the word. Unless, look at what Paul says, unless you believed in vain. If you're not holding fast to that word, if you're holding fast to your feelings, if you're holding fast to your mama's memory about what happened to you when you were little, if you're not listening and holding fast to your faith, you will fall. The scriptures are sufficient. To save and to stabilize. To save and enable someone to stand in the gospel. Have you been saved? Are you standing? Are you being saved? If you're not, today's the day for you to do just that. You know, there's another truth that Paul gives us here. It's not only that the scriptures are sufficient to save and stabilize converts with the gospel. But look at this. The scriptures are sufficient to substantiate the content of the gospel. Look in verses 3 and 4. Here's what the Word of God says. For I deliver to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Do you notice what Paul just said? 
Paul said, what someone told me, I told you. And I told you with urgency. Do you remember when you first got saved, if you've been saved? Do you remember how you wanted to tell somebody? That's what Paul's saying, with urgency, of first importance. What someone told me, I told you. When Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus, what Jesus said, when he went into the city and found Ananias, and he said, why are you waiting? Have your sins washed away. And he did that. That's exactly what he told the Corinthians. You know what that means? If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'd love to share the gospel. I'd love to go to the evangelism training today. I'd love to go evangelizing somebody. But the fact of the matter is, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say. I wouldn't know the first thing to say. I've never been to seminary school where you teach, Matt. I don't know what to say. You say, Matt, you know, I, I, I'm not, I've not got a good memory. You know, in the Southern Baptist Convention, unfortunately, it's been helpful. I mean, the intent was right. But in the Southern Baptist Convention, when we want to train people in evangelism, we have to tell them that they have to memorize something. And we... We have just conditioned them to believe, to trust in the script, and that a script is the gospel, instead of looking to the scriptures for the gospel. Give you a gift. Give me give you a sample of this. The scriptures, the gospel, being saved, being forgiven by God, being made right with God, is as easy as A, B, C. A, you must admit you're a sinner. B, you must believe that Jesus is God's son. C, you must confess him as Lord. We want to share our faith. F is for forgiveness. God wants to forgive you. A is for available. Forgiveness is available to all. However, I, it's impossible for sin to enter heaven. So therefore, we must T, turn from our sins. And H, we must turn from our sins and then we can go to heaven. You see how we've done that? We think the gospel's in something that somebody else wrote that we have to commit to memory. But friends, if we've been saved... We can share. If you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then you know enough of the gospel to share it. And right there's what he's saying. I told you what someone else told me. And what did he tell them? That Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And all of that, he says it twice, was according to what? Scriptures. The scriptures are sufficient. They're enough. They're all we need to be able to substantiate the content, what we need to say when we preach the gospel. They're enough. They're all we need for someone to be saved and then to be able to stand. But there's one last truth I want you to see and then we're done. The scriptures are sufficient to standardize the proclamation of the gospel. What does that mean to standardize the proclamation of the gospel? To standardize means that everything's the same. To give equality among all things. Here's what he says here. He says, after this, verse 5, after this, Christ appeared to Cephas. It's not both Cephas. He's not talking about Hank Williams Jr., okay? Not that Cephas. Paul. That, that Paul is who he's talking about. He appeared to Paul. And then it says, and he appeared to the twelve. That's the disciples, the apostles. Then he appeared to more than 500 men at one time. Some of them in that day were still alive. But some of them in that day had already died. Some of them had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. And then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to Paul. Jesus saved many people that preached the gospel. 
The 500 preached the gospel. James preached the gospel. The apostles preached the gospel. Peter or Cephas preached the gospel. And Paul preached the gospel. It wasn't a job for just the professionals. It was a job for the professionals, for the clergy, but it was also for the laity. That's where those 500 came in. They all preached the gospel. And then he goes on to say this, Last of all, as to one untimely born. Really, this is one that's born out of time, one that's not born at the right time. It was him. He appeared to me. And he said, because I'm the last... I'm out of time, I'm the least. Because I'm last, I am least of the apostles. I'm unworthy to even be called one, although people call me that. Why? Because he persecuted the church of God. You'll remember in Acts chapter 6, Stephen is preaching the gospel. Can you imagine that, Brother Deacon, preaching the gospel? Not, not, not the evangelism pastor, not the music pastor, not the pa- The deacon was preaching the gospel. And by the way... He preached the longest sermon in the Bible. Now you go with that, deacons, when you want to talk about Pastor Charles. You get up here, we'll see how long yours goes. He preached the longest sermon in the Bible. And Paul said, let me hold your coat so you don't, they don't get in the way when you throw the stones to kill him dead. That's what he did. He looked up to Jesus, Stephen did. Those rocks flying in his face. It's the only time. Every time we see Jesus when he's up in heaven, he's always, is he standing or seating? Seated at the right hand of God. It's the only time in Scripture when Jesus is in heaven that Jesus actually gets up out of the seat to peer down to heaven to see his faithful servant who's being stoned. And right over there to the right, he sees Paul who's holding the cloaks and the clothes and the coats of those who are throwing those stones. He said, I'm the least of all. There's some of you here today, you say, you know what, I'm the youngest Christian in this place. I've been the Christian the least amount of time in this place. I'm the least. Some of you are here, and I don't know who you think you are, but you say, you're the chief of sinners. You're the worst sinner in here that Jesus has ever saved. You you, you don't have a testimony, you say, because you've done so bad. Jesus has saved you, but you're so bad, and you can't do it. Some of you say, I've got the lowest GPA. I'm the worst student in the world. Some of you say, I've got the worst memory in the world. Some of you say, "I, I, I stutter whenever I talk. Whatever it is, you may think that you're the least of them all. But you know what Paul says about that? Paul says this, but by the grace of God, verse 10, I am what I am. Ma'am, right there, you are by the grace of God who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the longest Christian or the shortest Christian or the smartest person or the not the smartest person or the best talker or the not the best talker. Sir, right there, you. You are by the grace of God who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter whether you're great or least. You are who you are. Right up there in the balcony. Yes, yes, you, little lady right up there. If you know Jesus Christ, you are who you are because of the grace of God. And right over here, young man, you too. You're exactly who you are if you're saved by the grace of God. And guess what? I am too, and Charles is too, and Aaron is too, and all the other people. We all are who we are by the grace of God. And he said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. He said, in fact, all those guys, Peter, James, the apostles, the 500, I worked even harder than them. But it wasn't me working. It was the grace of God working in me. Do you know why you may be failing in evangelism? Because you're doing it in your own power. And when you do evangelism in your own power, I guarantee you one thing. You're going to get your own results. 
You want courage, you look within yourself, you won't find it. You want to find the words to start a gospel conversation, you'll not find them if you're looking in yourself. But if you look to God and say, God, give me boldness to share, by the grace of God, you'll have boldness. If you say, God, I don't know how to start this off, give me the words. God, by the grace of God, through the Spirit, will give you the words. By the grace of God, we, who are, we are who we are. And here's how he ends it in verse 11. He says this. So then, whether it was me, Paul, or it was Peter, or it was James, or it's one of the twelve, or as one of the 500, whether it was I or them, we preached and you believed. Do you know what that means? There's only one gospel whoever preaches it. There's a lot of better people in this room. Brother Charles is one of them. There's a lot of better preachers of the gospel than Matt Queen. But there's no better gospel that Matt Queen preaches. And there's no better gospel that you would preach. And let me just tell you something. We're not here to do your evangelism for you, and you're not here to do our evangelism for us. We've all, we're all standard. We're all flat. We're all equal when it comes to sharing the gospel. You know why? Because it's not about a seminary degree. It's not about an ordination. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. It's about the grace of God in you. And I ask you today, Woodland, uh, Woodland Hills, today, will you come and commit to the Lord that, Lord, I know I'm the least of all, but if you'll give me your grace for enough, today I can share the gospel. Tomorrow I can share the gospel. The next day I can share the gospel. And as you give me the grace, Lord, I'll give you the commitment to share. You know, back before the days of those movies that come out today, you know, those movies with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Helmsworth and, you know, the Avenger movies and all those, or even Tom Cruise, the Maverick, the Maverick, you know. Uh, before all those guys... There was a standard bearer in Hollywood, and his name was Charlton Heston. Can I get a witness on that? Charlton Heston. Ten Commandments, Moses. Ben-Hur. If you know Ben-Hur, you know, one thing you know about, if you don't know this, you go back and watch it. Ben-Hur, he's on that chariot. Y'all remember that chariot? He's going along. Well, he, Charlton Heston was a man's man, but I need to tell you something. He didn't know how to ride a horse before that movie. He didn't know how to ride a chariot that was pulling a, a horse that was pulling a chariot. He didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And so he told the director, Cecil DeMille, one of the great minds and producers of movies in Hollywood. He's historic and he's made so many records. But he told Cecil DeMille, he said, Cecil, I, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to ride a horse, much less a chariot, you know. And so they gave him lessons for a few weeks, about a month or so. Cecil DeMille came up to Heston and he said, Hess, that's what he called him, Hess. He said, Hess, how's it coming? How's it come with a horse and chariot riding? And Charlton Heston <clears throat> kind of just cleared his voice because he was a man. And he said, well, I got to tell you, Cecil. He said, you got some good trainers. They've trained me well. He said, I am fully confident that I can ride that chariot. And with that horse pulling me, I'm fully confident I can stay in the chariot. But I got to be honest with you, Cecil. I'm not all at all confident I'll win the race. And you know, there's a race at the end. You know what Cecil DeMille said to Charlton Heston? He said, Charlton, you keep to what I've written, and I'll make sure you win. You know why? Because he was the director. <laughs> he could use the cameras. It didn't matter if he won or not, because it wasn't on his ability. It was on what the director had written in the script. And friends, if you're here today, 
and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're wobbly, if you don't know with certainty today that you're going to go to heaven when you die, if you don't know with certainty today that your sins have been forgiven here and now, then today I call you not to trust in what mama said, what this one said, shaking the preacher's hand or anything else. I call you to trust in what has been written. And the director will make sure you win the race. Today, will you come? There's some of you here today and you say, you know what? I'd love to go share the gospel, but I've never been to evangelism training. Guess what? we got a sign-up list right up here at the altar. You can go to training right after this service, 12 o'clock, cowboy chicken, Baptist and chicken. What can get better? Amen? It'll cover a multitude of sins, even evangelism training. We want you today for that. But even if you can't go, you already got other plans. I understand maybe you have other plans. But you say, you know what? I, just don't, I wouldn't know the first thing to share. I, I'm not, I've not got a good memory. I don't know what to share. Let me tell you something. If you stick to what has been written, you'll win a soul. But you've got to stick to what's written. And if you want to use memorization, that's fine. But stick with what was told to you so you can tell someone else. And maybe today you'd come up to the pastors and say, you know what? I'm going to stick with what's written. I may not be the best evangelist preacher. I may not be the best personal evangelist to share the gospel. But there's no better gospel that I can preach than the one that's in the scriptures. Today, would you come? Last, there's some of you that you've convinced yourself or the devil's convinced you or somebody's convinced you that you can't evangelize. You're not good enough. You've not been a Christian long enough. You don't know enough. And Paul says that the scriptures, the scriptures themselves, standardize it all. So if it's Charles Hunt preaching it or Matt Queen preaching it or you preaching it, it's all the same because it's the grace of God who makes us what we are. And maybe you come up today, maybe you just pray on your own, maybe you come to the pastor and say, you know what, pastor, I don't think that I can do it. I know I'm not a better person to share the gospel or soul win than you are, but by the grace of God, I am who I am, Pastor, and I'm going to start sharing the gospel. You can count on me. Whatever the need of your heart is today, I wonder today, would you surrender all? I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head, close their eyes. I'm going to ask no one to look around. I'm going to ask musicians to go ahead and get into place. I'm going to ask pastors, encouragers, prayer encouragers to go ahead and make their way to the front. And as people are making their way to the front, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Even when the musicians get in their place, they're not going to be looking around. Just the pastors today. And today, as people are making their way, you may have not planned to do anything today, but just come and sit on a pew. But God is calling you to come and make a decision. A decision that's going to change the course of your life. Maybe you're here today and you know who Jesus is, you've heard the gospel today, but you've never been saved. You've never received it. You're wobbly. You don't know for sure. And you, but you, what you know is that you need to be sure you're saved. Right here where you are, you don't have to say anything out loud, but in the stillness of your heart and the quietness of your heart, would you just pray a prayer to God like this if this is what you believe? Dear God, I need you. I've sinned against you. I cannot save myself. But Jesus can save me. And so right here, right now, I surrender all to you. I believe Jesus died, was buried and raised for my sins according to the scriptures. And I claim and profess him as my Lord. 
If you pray that prayer just now for the first time with understanding and you know now you've not just heard the gospel, you've received it and you're taking your first steps to stand in the gospel. If you did that today with no one looking around but the pastors, would you just raise your hand and say, Brother Charles, pray for me. Brother Case, pray for me. Who's doing that today? Thank you for that hand all the way up there. Thank you. Who else? I made that prayer, that decision today. Just put your hand up. We're not going to come to you. We're not going to embarrass you. Anybody else at all? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I've not been sharing the gospel because I've been trusting. I've been actually seeing that I can't. I don't know what to say. I've been trusting in something other than the scriptures. But I realize today that the scriptures are enough to, to, to give me what I need to tell other people. What someone else told me, I could tell them. And pastor, to the best of my ability, I'm going to do my best to preach the gospel. I may not be the best gospel preacher. I may not be the best gospel sharer. I may not be the best soul winner. But Lord, I can't preach or share or win another soul with a better gospel. And pastor, I want you to know, to the extent that it lies with me and the grace of God within me, you can count on me to share the gospel this week. Anybody like that this week? Just raise your hand. Pray for me, pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all up everywhere. Thank you. Now, if God's called you to make some decision, one of these or something else he's calling you to do, what you need to do is just step out. Even now, you can come right now as you want to and come speak to one of the pastors. Come speak to me. So if you need to come while I'm praying, you go ahead and just come right then. While we're singing, you come. Father, we thank you for your word and the fact that it's sufficient to save, to stabilize, to help us share. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray as your word has gone out, that it would not return void. I pray that this altar would be filled with people who would say, Lord, as much as it rests with the grace of God in me, I'm going to share the gospel. Other people would say, I made that decision today. I need the next step so I know how to stand in my salvation. Whatever it might be, God, would you meet needs. For it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. And church, if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Let's stand.